You're listening to the Crosscheck NHL Show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. Hi, and welcome to the Crosscheck NHL Show. I'm Andrew Berkshire, and I'm here with my co-host, Mary Clark. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Get all the parts you need for your car or truck for the lowest prices anywhere at rockauto.com. Uh, Mary, there's lots of stuff to get into today, surprisingly, considering there's, uh, you know, it's the offseason officially. We're now almost a week removed from free agency, so there should be less breaking news around the NHL for the next little while, and we're going to have to do some ambitious projects as the summer goes on to keep the contest or the uh, the content going. But first of all, Mary, how was your weekend? Good. Um, my weekend was nice. Um, not getting a lot of sleep because I'm uh, taking care of my friend's dogs for the week. Uh, so I'm sleeping over at their house. They live only a couple minutes away from me, so I'm very familiar with these dogs. I've, you know, taken care of them before and all that. It's, uh, it just, you know, no sleep. Well, I mean, not no sleep, but some sleep, but they less sleep, less less sleep. I am kind of used to it though, because I have a cat now. Um, so I'm more familiar with waking up at like 6am when I don't really want to, so, you know, feed them and let them out and stuff. So I am, you know, I... It's been fun, though. I really enjoy just being there with them, but that's kind of been my weekend so far between that and, you know, work and watching the Olympics, and yeah, that's that's kind of it. I mean, especially because hockey's, uh, I mean, there's been a lot of news, which we'll talk about, but uh, I guess the busiest part of the season is over now. Yes, yeah. Yeah, we're officially in what they call the dog days of summer. Uh, August is usually the most boring month. But the fact is, like, because this season stretched so far into the summer, we only really have a month until, like, rookie camps open up and then training camps open up and then the season starts. So it's not that long to, to bridge the gap here. We're going to have lots of news to talk about. And we do have some interesting topics to cover today. Uh, we have uh, some allegations from uh, Evander Kane's wife against Evander Kane that we're going to go into. We've got... Uh, I, I just was looking at some stuff uh, across uh, analytics Twitter, essentially, and I looked at it and I thought, is the Western Conference just bad? So we're going to debate that on the cross-check of the week in our second segment. And then there's an update on Jack Eichel, which, uh, you know, his agents went public with some information uh, before the weekend, so we'll get into that as well. But first, we've got a couple of little tidbits of breaking news. Uh, the first being that the Hurricanes have seen their uh, executive director of the Hurricanes Foundation and their VP of Community Outreach resign. Uh, his name is John Chase. He's been there for 16 seasons. Uh, there's some speculation from Hurricanes fan base that uh, this is about the whole Tony Q. Angelo uh, situation. It, I don't think that's a safe thing to assume, but uh, obviously John Chase has been with the Hurricanes for a very long time. Uh, it's big news for them. And the other is that Rick Westhead and Mark Lazarus have reported that the investigation into the Chicago Blackhawks uh, employment of Brad Aldrich and recommendation of him for another job is going forward. And the uh, CEO of the Blackhawks, Danny Wirtz, says that results will be made public uh, and they promise to promptly implement changes to address the findings and shortcomings of our organization. That's a quote. Uh, Rick West had said several key witnesses, including former Blackhawks coach, or uh, I guess, he, I think it was a video coach or an athletic trainer or something like that, uh, Paul Vincent, 
and former player Brent Sopel had refused to cooperate with the Jenner and Block investigation unless the law firm promised to make its investigation findings public. So Rick Westhead speculates that perhaps that threat combined with public pressure actually worked in this situation. And you know what? For once, let's have some good news about public pressure being applied to an organization actually forcing them to do the right thing. Yay. (laughs) Thoughts on any of that, Mary? Oh, well, it's good to know that the findings will be made public. Um, I was really afraid that at least at the beginning, it seemed that the NHL might just sweep it under the rug like they have done previously for other things. So it really looks like that we're headed towards some sort of possible consequences here, which I wasn't expecting at all because uh, I know how the NHL works and this just isn't their MO. But um, good for that. Um, I will be I'll be really interested to see the findings. I mean, I know it'll I think it'll clear a lot up because there's, you know, been a lot of talk and like we've had to do a lot of like, you know, allegations, this speculation, that. And we obviously don't want to, you know, toe the line of legality here, but it would be nice to have what possibly concrete answers. So who knows? I don't know when we'll find these things out. There's no timetable given as far as I'm aware, but it is good to know that the public pressure worked and that that was really good to see. As for the Hurricanes thing, um, again, it's probably not worth speculating because who knows. Yeah. Uh, but it is interesting that there is turnover in that front office, especially after, you know, the Tony D'Angelo stuff. But it's very like it's possible that they're not related at all. So it's just a, it's just the optics don't look good. All right. So uh the Evander Kane situation is a tough one. It's hard to jump to any conclusions on this because we just flat out don't have the facts and public relationship spats are never pretty. But Evander Kane's wife leveled a series of accusations against him on Instagram, including uh, leaving him or leaving her and uh, his children, including, I believe, a one year old and another child that's a little bit older. Uh, for weeks at a time with no communication, no money, to the point where she had to sell her wedding ring to survive and feed the children. Uh, also that essentially he's been gambling so much that the bank is about to repossess her or their house. Uh, and that he just sent her an email saying, like, leave the keys under the mat and get out uh, with no forewarning. And, you know, obviously uh, the uh, partying and gambling has been during the pandemic. So that's another issue that she's been... She pointed out that she didn't want him coming home around their children, possibly infected with uh, COVID, Um, you know, the cheating with prostitutes, and also the big one in terms of legal trouble was possibly gambling on his own NHL games. So obviously we don't have any proof of this. Uh, It's a big deal. But unlike other kinds of indiscretions the nhl immediately posted that they were going to investigate this because uh, gambling on your own games apparently that's the most serious thing you can do in the nhl and not you know sexual assault or anything like that but i digress this is a big deal uh from what i read from a few lawyers online they were saying that uh, gambling on your own game is also a federal crime so if this held true which evander kane has denied there there's a lot to get to here <laughs> Yeah, uh, and like you said, it really is something that, well, 
what was it like mere hours mere like like less than a day it felt like after after you know these accusations and allegations came to light i think it was under two hours it was like yeah it was such a quick turnaround time that the initial was like oh yeah we're gonna investigate okay okay what about chicago what about (sighs) yeah chicago no comment but yeah no comment but i get it i get it to an extent in the fact that this is something that they're probably more equipped to investigate internally right as opposed to an actual sex crime where really they should just be involving the law like the authorities immediately and not trying to bury it but uh this is also a thing where like they have to get out in front of it right away because it's about the integrity of the game right but no matter how many times you want to say like oh well i understand this this and this like there's no getting around the fact that they flat out ignore sexual assault allegations and then this they take immediately seriously it might be because it's more credible in part because it's from uh a wife of a player as opposed to someone else involved but then again like the Brad Aldrich thing was from a player mm-hmm. you know the, so, the like, optics just don't look good i mean there no. may be a, there may be a reason why the nhl does this like did this the way they did uh and acted more swiftly in this regard but the optics just don't look great considering what they've got going on in chicago but this isn't the first time uh evander kane's been embroiled in some type of like gambling thing because um i'm reading from the associate press that um in 2019 a las vegas strip casino sued kane alleging he alleging that he failed to repay a five hundred thousand dollar gambling debt racked up during a playoff series against the golden knights i remember that i remember that like since obviously that was only a couple of years ago but i remember that that was like a huge thing um yeah and... he was so deeply in gambling debt to start this season that there was whispers that he might not play this year yeah i remember that too i mean obviously it's been a very long time since the start of the year it's for me it's hard to remember cer- certain things you know went the timeline of things but i do remember that yeah that we weren't sure because like it was like his his career was in jeopardy because we didn't know what was going to happen in this so it it at least lines up with what we know is public history about him but it is a very difficult case to talk about because because in part that this is you know been made public um and it's a relationship thing that has been made public and i just have like i've obviously been reading it and stuff but i've been steering away from trying to make like actual like you know solid claims about it all because you can't there's that information is being there's like everybody's their own narrator here and i have no idea what like what's going to come down to the truth here but it is it does not look good and the stuff that has been talked about like by kane's wife is just there there is a lot of stuff yeah it's bad there is a lot of stuff in there yeah, I think the the one thing that we can say with certainty is, like, their children... And by the way, she's pregnant. I don't mm-hmm. remember if I mentioned that earlier. Uh, her Their children are innocent victims in all this, and that is just awful. Uh, public, I don't want to say necessarily divorce, because she kind of balked at the idea of divorce. It seemed like she was saying that she's treating this as uh, somebody with an addiction, which it's clear that he has a gambling addiction, just from what we know publicly. Uh, so she's not necessarily throwing in the towel on their relationship. She's saying he's an, he has an addiction and he needs help, which is you know kind of mature and doesn't fit the narrative that some people are pushing in the low, you know crazy ex essentially. Which, yeah, he called you know, her um, in this according to this Associated Press article. He called her mentally unwell. So yeah, like, well, yeah, it's that's always what they go to, isn't it? Yeah, it's, With it's women. Yeah, it is. It's one of those things where I'm like, okay. It, there's a lot of things being thrown around out here. I'm 
I'm going to wait to see what the investigation says because it is just, it's one of those things where some, this got super messy super quickly, yeah. um, but it really doesn't look good on Evander Kane. And I have no idea what his possible future could be in the NHL because I mean, you know, it, it, it was alleged that he's, he was, you know, gambling on his own games. That's one thing, but then there's everything else in there is just, you know, I mean, like you said, it was like a, a, a federal crime, federal offense. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, there's just, and there's a lot of trouble. That it's also made. not the first legal trouble that Evander Kane has found himself in, right? Like he's had accusations of uh, battery from women. He's had accusations of sexual assault from women. So like, obviously those things like stick in the back of your mind with this guy, right? Like this is something that has somebody who has issues following them around a history of poor behavior or at least alleged poor behavior. And you would think like the NHL, while they're investigating this, you would assume Evander Kane would be put on suspension, right? Like there's just no other way that you can operate. He has to be suspended uh, pending the results of the investigation. And if he ends up being innocent, then they can, you know, give him his payback. But this is just incredibly sad. And I know, uh, Robin Leonard tried to stick up for Evander Kane a little bit on Twitter, and it was... I don't want to trash him too much, because I know English is his second language, and I don't expect athletes to be the most well-versed or in intelligent group of people, not to be uh, looking down on them in anything, but uh, it's just, that is not what's expected of them. They're not scholars, right? But Robin Leonard's tweet thread about this whole situation was extremely problematic from comparing being bipolar to being worse than uh, or like to putting your relationship through worse than domestic violence uh essentially sticking up for Evander Kane because he knows him and they're I guess friends to like lamenting the idea of like you know innocent until proven guilty is gone in this country this is the American way and it's like that only matters in court <laughs> like public opinion that doesn't matter at all and it turning it into, you know, Kane versus internet trolls when it's really, you know, a sad situation for between him and his family. Yeah. So I think Robin, Robin Leonard, I applaud him a lot for standing up for like the mental health aspects and that, but I think he kind of feels like he needs to weigh in on everything. And sometimes you need to be quiet. No. Oh, yeah. I think that that's the best way to put it. I mean, it, he really put his foot in his mouth and with this, Twitter thread I think is the, the best way to say it and sometimes it's just not your place to talk about things and uh, if you don't have something you know productive to say don't say it at all this wasn't in my opinion productive or you know in any in any way shape or form uh so yeah I it, it was definitely a weird Twitter thread to read through uh but I agree that it you know sometimes you just gotta stay in your lane keep your mouth shut it's not like I get wanting to you know stick up for your friend but uh, this was not the way to do it. Yeah. And I think this is kind of my issue with a lot of the people who want to uh, do exactly what Robin Leonard was doing and like, oh, it's a complicated issue. You don't know is it, it goes it goes it starts out kind of innocently. Right. And it's like, oh, well, we don't know the details, so we shouldn't comment. And then it diverges into, well, I know the guy, so we don't know who's telling the truth and we should just assume innocence which essentially is saying don't believe the woman believe the man right because you're making if you're making a declarative statement either way you are believing someone so if you're saying we don't have enough evidence you kind of have to look at it and say 
then we, we just don't know. Just don't make any conclusions. I have no I, I have no issue with people saying don't jump to conclusions. I say that as well. But I would say that the accusations are troubling. And just based on Kane's history, it makes me lean more towards believing his wife. Yeah. Yeah. It is it it really is, like you said, troubling. And obviously I said, you know, it, I'd like to see the results of an investigation, but yep. you know, given the optics and everything, it really doesn't look good. So I, no. I really hope for the best. Um, you know, for the wife and kids. Um, it really, especially the kids, like that. It must be a, a really terrible situation, and it, yeah, I, I don't really have anything else to add other than that because it is just a really sucky situation all around. Yeah, we don't want to go into circles too much, and we don't want to, you know, stretch for speculation or anything. So mm-hmm. we'll wrap it there on Evander Kane. If news breaks on it, we will probably come back to it during the summer because it's pretty important news. But uh, we'll we'll move on here. And we've already told you that this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto, and Rock Auto is here for all of your parts and repair needs for your car or truck. With the ever increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible. For your local chain on auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need with enough diversity of brands in order to get some price matching and figure out what you actually want. Why wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the brands that their warehouse happens to carry when you have a computer in your pocket and at your home, you can go to rockauto.com and find something for yourself. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? rockauto.com gives the same price to professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers something that a chain store will never do rock auto prices are reliably low for every customer and best of all rock auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for only over 20 years so you're not dealing with a nameless faceless corporation held in some holding company you're dealing with an actual group of people who care about your needs Go to rockauto.com right now and see the part, see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts that your car will ever need. rockauto.com All right, so Mary, I was looking at uh, a guy I like to follow on Twitter, uh, Fresh Hockey, who does a lot of work in essentially taking data from other people and uh, putting them into good visualizations. And... One of the things that he does with the model that he works on with, I think, top-down hockey is the the person who created the model, is point projections. And last year's point projections, he was the second most accurate after Don Lucision at The Athletic. Uh, They both greatly beat the, uh, I don't want to say the market, I guess it was like uh, Vegas, beat Vegas essentially, (laughs) uh, on predicting the standings. And he's got it down at uh, on Twitter here as... The Western Conference with Vegas and Colorado leading in points with 112 and 119 points. Colorado winning the President's Trophy. Then after Vegas in the Pacific is Seattle, Calgary, and Edmonton. And in the Central, St. Louis, which is a bit confusing, Winnipeg, and Minnesota. And I look at this breakdown and I think there are only two good teams in the entire Western Conference. Vegas and Colorado. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't think anybody else would make the playoffs in the East. Hmm. I mean, okay. For starters, I mean, I had seen this chart a couple days ago when it had come out. Uh, and 
I must say, the flyers at the top of the Metropolitan with 100 points is very confusing to me. I'm here for it. I don't know why, but I'm I'm here for it. So this is definitely one of those, like, you know, very early projections. But it, obviously things can still change. But, I mean, I absolutely agree that there are only two good teams. Or at least two teams that can actually, like, compete with the East. And that is Colorado and Vegas. And that's kind of been this way for a couple of seasons now, it feels like. I mean, we've had yeah. some, like you know upstarts in the west but like nothing really has come to fruition um and it's really just been vegas and colorado up at the top but like it is weird seeing seattle there too not seattle uh st louis there too yeah that Uh, was a surprise for me considering like tarasenko is not going to start the season there they lost vince dunn you know they've lost now they've lost uh, vince dunn and petrangelo in two consecutive seasons you know the shine has come off on binnington a little bit they lost, um, blanking on the name now, Jane Schwartz to Seattle. Like, I'm not sure where the value comes from there. I guess the model likes Brandon Sad and Pavel Buchnevich, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm surprised think... Dallas isn't a little bit higher. Um, yeah. And, I know, or, or even Chicago. I mean, I know, I know we've Fresh talked a lot that, about that. Uh, but... Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know Jay Fresh said that part of the reason Philly rose up so much is they didn't expect another season of, like, 89% goaltending. So that accounts for a big rise there okay well well, i'll see it i'll believe it when i see it is is where where i'm on that but yeah it is just a very strange like looking at this chart it's like there really is no one i mean it 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 does validate me to see that's that seattle is um second in the pacific um i don't know if they will be second in the pacific i'm more inclined to believe that'll probably be edmonton just because of we've talked about it leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid dragging their team to uh, victory. Uh, that's kind of where I see that landing. But that it, yeah, there really is no team. I mean, looking at the Atlantic, it's, it's Tampa Bay up top with 100 and, 111 points, then Toronto with 109, Florida with 102, and Boston with 102. That is a that is a murderer's row division. And yeah, I, I feel like that division has like the biggest heavy hitters in the East. Which is strange then, because that used to be the Metropolitan, it felt like, for a while. Yeah, and the, but the Metropolitan is different. They're like, I don't think the Metropolitan has heavy, any heavy hitters anymore, especially since Cal- uh, Carolina took a hit with Hamilton moving on. But like Philadelphia, New York, Pittsburgh, Carolina, Washington, the Islanders, and maybe even New Jersey this year now that Hamilton is there and you can expect some of their youngsters to move forward. Like, that's like six really solid teams. You know, like, there's no easy matchup there. Like, even Columbus plays hard, tough team to put put away, right? So, like, there's no easy matchups there. Whereas, like, the Atlantic e- at least has, like, Buffalo, Detroit, and maybe Ottawa, depending on if they can recreate some of the magic that they had in the second half of the season last year. There's a little bit of, like, easy punching in the Atlantic division, but the Metropolitan is a murderer's row of just really solid teams, but maybe not cup contenders. And then... Like, you, you look at Colorado, and you're like, 119 points, 8 more than projected for Tampa Bay. And part of that has to be strength of schedule, right? Because they're playing out west, and they're going to pummel everyone. Yeah. I, I Yeah. It is... <sighs> Man, I feel really bad for the west. The, to have these, like, two big monoliths up there, and everybody else is just such a far... Like, a tier down below. Like, even, like, it, they're, they're not even the same level as them. And... Um, I really don't know who could challenge them. Like, just looking at this list of teams, I really can't see anybody, especially with the moves that have been made this offseason. I 
I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I really don't see anybody that could challenge them at the top. And even like, like looking at the East, going head to head with them, I think I take the East teams like ninety nine out of a hundred times. I mean, obviously you have to account yeah. for playoff randomness and stuff like that because, you know, that obviously factors into it. I mean, we've seen it happen in the past, but it is blow for blow. I would absolutely take the East. And it feels like it's been trending that way for some time. I mean, for a while we had, you know, Western Conference dominance, like, you know, with Chicago and L.A. and all that. And then it really seemed to, like, switch back to the East basically ever since the Penguins um, won their back-to-back Stanley Cups, it felt like. so. Yeah, it's been kind of like, I think it's natural for things to reverse back and forth. But I, I think that right now is probably the most imbalanced it's been. Right. Like even when uh, the when the West was by far the strongest, it was like Chicago, uh, L.A., Anaheim was really strong. The Sharks were really strong. The East had a few like legitimate juggernaut teams as well. All right. The Penguins were there. The Capitals were there. uh, The Rangers were really good at that time. The Flyers were up and down. Like there, there were some teams that were decent. And for whatever reason, the West has really fallen behind here and it's probably a natural thing where things go back and forth, or it could be that a lot of players, you know, like the lighter travel schedule of playing out East. But I, I think the biggest surprise, and it might change this year with LA, cause I know you thought they might be a team that come up is that the three California teams have just fallen off completely. Right. And then Nashville, their, their window is closed really fast. Chicago, is pretending that their window is still open, but that (laughs) fell off. And then you have teams that while those teams were good, should have been building like Arizona and they've never been able to get off the ground. Right. Yeah. And I mean, Arizona is obviously taking a step back as they're, you know, they're, they're your cap dump team, uh, which is unfortunate. We've talked about that before. I still have not high hopes for the Kings, but I just am keeping my eye out on them because I, like I, like we said, these divisions are really weak, and I wouldn't be surprised if a if you know a dark horse candidate, um, you know, rises to the top a little bit. I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, both divisions to me are, I don't want to say equally weak. I think the Central may be a little bit stronger than the Pacific. Um, sorry, Edmonton. Yeah, just, I think you're right. Yeah, I mean, just looking at this, I think the Central is a little bit stronger. I I'm intrigued to see what Chicago is going to do now that Fleury said that he's going to play next season um so i think that maybe bumps them up a little bit but i don't i don't really know they're like you said they are kind of pretending at still being contenders it is very mystifying but they made some moves that might make them better which might bring them up in the central because they were last year for a little bit they were kind of in it but then dropped off at the end but they were in it for a little bit i don't know how serious it was obviously but they were in it for a little bit but yeah i mean (sighs) I, it really is funny how the Carolina, not Carolina teams, the California teams, uh, really have dropped off because they really did have for a while. They had their time in the sun. I mean, San Jose had a very long playoff streak and made Cup finals, and you know, LA won their cups, and Anaheim uh, was still like a force to be reckoned with for a while, and then they had dropped off. It's just it. You're right that it kind of swings back and forth. But it really has swung in the Eastern Conference's direction and has been for some time. Yeah, I think it also makes it much more visually apparent when like a team like Florida really takes off, right? Where everybody's like, oh my God, they're going to be a scary team next season. And where you had like one team that was kind of middling 
moving up into contender status, it changes a lot of the landscape. And I wonder, like, is this the perfect situation for Seattle to come into? Like, they're now coming into the weaker conference, the weakest division, and they've bought all in on defense. And a lot of these teams like Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver are like young, offensive-minded teams, but they're not necessarily the hardest playing teams, if you know what I mean. And Calgary will probably be a lot harder to play against next year with a full year of Daryl Sutter coaching. But like overall, they're not teams that forecheck you into oblivion. I wonder if Seattle saw the division that they were in and the makeup of those teams and that kind of informed how they're going to draft because... I don't know which team like McDavid will find a way, but it might not be every game. But other than that, I think Vegas is the only team in that division that's going to consistently be able to break through Seattle's defense. Yeah. And I'd, I've heard a lot. I've listened to a lot of podcasts, you know, berating the Seattle's choices. And I get it. I mean, we talked about it. I get that, you know, it's not the style, I think, like the, it seems that they didn't take advantage of the opportunities presented to them, but they have like a legitimate opportunity here to, you know, build some positive um, momentum as a franchise going forward in the Pacific. I mean, I think like just as it stands at the beginning of August, if I had to predict the way that the standings in the Pacific would shake out, I'd say Vegas, Edmonton, and Seattle. Um, and, you know, Vegas by a landslide, but, and, and the rest of them jockeying for position, but like, if that, that's, that would be my top three in the Pacific, because I really think that Seattle will take advantage of uh, the opportunities in the Pacific, because you're right, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, they'll find a way, but they're only on the ice for like, what, half the time? Like half half game time? Like, yeah, if that. Yeah. So like, they're not on the ice all the time. And then the rest of the time, Seattle seems will, you know, defensively chokehold them into submission. Uh, so I, it's just funny to me that I've listened to people say that, you know, Seattle doesn't have a plan and they don't have a team identity. I think their identity is defense. Like we talked about, it's not the, the flashiest. It's not obviously Vegas's style that we've come to expect from an expansion team, but I think that there is something here. Um, and I'm expecting them given the way that, you know, it's presented before me. I really expect them to be a playoff team, whether that means that they're, There'll be actual contenders in line for Stanley Cup. No, not not a chance. But they're definitely going to be a playoff team, especially in this division. Yeah, they're they're going to be a tough out. I think that's the the biggest takeaway. Even though they have to now restructure their deal with uh, Philippe Grobauer because the NHL rejected it, which was kind of funny. And they did restructure it though immediately. I saw that it like it, like once they once it was rejected, they like restructured it and sent it over immediately. So it was a little bit of a story, but they figured it out. Math is hard, it's, apparently. It's like a- a tiny little bump of a story, right? Like it doesn't actually make a big deal. It's not like somebody else swooped in and they were like, Oh, well, since you're a free agent again, Grubauer, how about this offer? Like, yeah, there was no drama really to that effect. It was just kind of funny. It's funny because math is hard and their, you know, analytics team is their front office is supposed to be smart. And it's just funny in that regard. But you know, it, this, these things do happen. I get it. They do. Math is difficult. This is why I'm, you know, in the business of writing and talking and not doing math. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> all right so seattle kraken are probably going to be the team that we watch to be a surprise next year in terms of uh, who can push up the standings in the west i think edmonton has a chance but i i feel like they improved their forward core and then destroyed their defense and <laughs> look significantly worse on that end so i don't know how that's going to work with 39 year old soon to be 40 year old mike smith but uh, other than that maybe minnesota 
Minnesota might be a team that makes some noise. Yeah. I think they, they still need to bring back Kaprizov, right? So. Yeah, Minnesota definitely is one of those like kind of teams on the rise, depending on what happens this offseason. But Kaprizov is definitely a, a player to watch. Um, yeah. as we have seen in the last year. Uh, so if, you know, he comes back, that is a, that is definitely a team to keep your eyes on, I would think, yeah. up in the Central. He's a game changer. And the biggest game changer out right now is going to be where does Jack Eichel land, which is going to be part of their next topic here, right after we take a break to tell you about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar on the market. Soft and easy to chew and covered in chocolate, Built Bar comes in so many delicious flavors from coconut to cherry barcia raspberry mint brownie double chocolate salted caramel strawberry orange cookies and cream and german chocolate if you haven't tried all the flavors or you're adventurous you can get a mix box which is two of each of the nine flavors that's pretty good pretty good deal not only are built bar flavor the best flavors uh built bars the best <laughs> tasting uh they're also healthy check out that each built bar has between 17 to 18 grams of protein calories ranging from 130 to 180 only four to five grams of sugar and only four to five grams of net carbs they're amazing flavors they're all tasty and they're all healthy order today and get ooh a grasshopper cookie or raspberry or whatever you like built bar is the official protein bar of the u.s track and field team isn't that cool go to builtbar.com and use the promo code locked on or locked 15 i believe it is and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. So, Mary, uh, Jack Eichel's agents released a statement about uh, his situation heading into the weekend. And it was pretty aggressive. And apparently it was in response to the Sabre statement saying that they were in control of the process. And they were not, not happy about it. So... Uh, his statement, or his agent's statement, uh, Peter Fish and Peter Donatelli, said, The process is not working. As we previously stated, we fully anticipated a trade by the start of the NHL free agency period. After the agreed-upon and prescribed period for a conservative rehabilitation lapsed in early June 2021, it was determined by the Sabres medical staff that a surgical procedure was required. The recommendation by Jack's independent neurosurgeon and other spine specialists consulted consulted and the surgery Jack feels most comfortable having in order to correct a herniated disc in his back is to proceed with artificial disc replacement surgery. A further point of concern is that our camp was initially under the impression that the Sabre specialist was in agreement with the artificial disc replacement surgery until that was no longer the case. What is being left out of the discussion is that Jack would be able to play in the NHL for the start of the season pending medical clearance if he were allowed to have the surgery he desires at, as of this date. Repeated requests have been made to the Sabres since early June to no avail. This process is stopping Jack from playing in the NHL, and it is not working. This was uh, reported on by John Vogel of The Athletic. This goes from not wanting to trade Jack Eichel or looking for a deal to now something to me that looks like an NHLPA issue. Because if you are preventing a player from getting medical treatment that could stall their career... That should be a union issue to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is very true. 
Uh, and I definitely, this is definitely a scathing statement if there ever was one in my yeah they're mad (laughs) yeah they're they are that you can feel the ire coming off of the the words uh in that in that uh release uh yeah it's definitely an nhlpa issue uh i feel terrible that uh, that it's wild that a team can even do this i didn't even realize that that was a thing until the whole eichel stuff started happening like when we started when this all started to come to light um, a little while ago, I didn't even realize teams could bar you from getting medical procedures like this. It really is wild that that's something that's allowed. Um, I mean, I don't know how serious, you know, uh, what he has a herniated disc in his back is, but it is, it doesn't sound comfortable. doesn't sound fun. It definitely sounds like it's hampering his ability to, you know, play hockey and train and get ready for the season and I, like i said i don't know how serious it is but it is it is definitely something that should be taken care of medically and the sabers just won't allow him to do it and it is it really is very concerning that this is something an organization can just do to a player it just seems like they have nothing to gain here it just makes the sabers look worse honestly yeah it does and the last time that I can remember an organization and a player differing so greatly on medical treatment was like Eric Lindros. Yeah. And I mean, that was before my time. <laughs> yeah. And the fact is, like, we know in retrospect who was right and who was wrong. And the Flyers were wrong. Right. The Flyers were trying to get Lindros to play through multiple concussions. And he was labeled as like a quitter and a whiner and like uh, just trying to get all the money he could out of uh, the Flyers without paying. No, he retired early because of concussions. Like He's dealt with serious concussion issues for years. It's it's a real thing. And this Jack Eichel thing, like as somebody who's had back issues and continues to work through them, I wouldn't wish them on my worst enemy. <laughs> they are the worst, and I can't imagine playing with them, especially in a sport that's got like physical contact. It just sounds excruciating. Yeah, debilitating. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like to me, I just don't understand what Jack Eichel and his agents would gain from doing something that would be bad for him. Do you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. it it doesn't make any sense from that perspective. Like to me, it says like the Sabres didn't want him to do this surgery during the season because he would miss time. And then he eventually ended up missing time anyway. And the recovery is long. Maybe it's uncertain and they're, they're worried about that. And it'd be harder to train him once he gets this surgery because the team won't be necessarily sure when he'll be coming back. Although it seems like the recovery time is known based on what the agents are saying. But uh, I don't don't know. Like, to me, it makes more sense to get this done while Jack Eichel is young and he can recover from it and not put it off and put it off and put it off. We've seen other teams put off things before and it ended up being a big issue like uh, Jesse Pogliarvi in Edmonton needed hip surgery and the Oilers were like, no play through it. I think it was like for two seasons. And then eventually he was like, I'm going to Europe. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get my surgery and I'm going to go to Europe. And I, I think players need to have more control over their own health and bodies because the fact is as much as people are loyal to teams as fans, teams are corporations and they will do things that are not in the best interest of the health of their players. Sometimes that means postponing a surgery, and sometimes that's it's okay. You're not risking further injury. But if Eichel feels like he's going to destroy his career by trying to play through this and rehabilitate without surgery, and he needs surgery, 
why why are you delaying like why are you stopping him from doing it especially in an off season when he could just get it done and be ready for training camp like it goes beyond just the trade thing even if you were keeping Eichel why would you stop him from doing this it makes I remember no sense I I know I remember I feel like we talked about this before and I remember it being like the surgery he wants to get I don't, I don't know if any hockey players ever had it before I know I, I remember reading that it was successful for other athletes but other hockey players no I don't know if anybody's ever attempted this or there's been very limited data on it so I get wanting to be cautious but this is like it, it seems as if this is a surgery that has success and and according to the agent's timeline I mean obviously that's one side of the story but according to this timeline yeah. it it will get him back before the start of the season and wouldn't you want to have a healthy Jack Eichel who is you know maybe misses a couple weeks at the start of the season, but he's healthy for the rest of the season. Would you rather have that? Or would you rather have Jack Eichel, whose back is injured and is hampered by this injury for next season, seasons to come, if you bar him from doing this, from, you know, having the surgery? It is just a very confusing decision to me. Like, I get wanting to, like, protect your, like, the assets you have. This isn't the way to do it, I don't think. This really isn't the way to do it. No, and I think we can say pretty clearly that the way the Sabres have handled the whole situation has been bad from the outset, like, not just in terms of Eichel's health, but also in terms of, like, asset management. Like, you you read some of the stuff that insiders are saying, and they're calling Eichel, like, the forgotten superstar, and teams don't want to play pay, like, four assets for him, including, like, two firsts and a decent prospect and, an, and a roster player. Like, Jack Eichel is incredible. Like, he is one of the best players in the game, and teams are balking at paying a couple firsts for him. Like, I, I saw somebody saying, like, they wouldn't trade some, uh, like, I forget who it was now. I think it was, no, it was it was an Ottawa Senators fan saying they wouldn't trade, like, Shane Pinto. And I was like, who the hell is Shane Pinto? Give me a break. Give me a break. You would trade your best prospect for Jack Eichel, and you would never regret it. Never regret it. Uh I just don't understand how the, the Sabres have let this go so out of control on them and then say that the situation is under control in public. Yeah, uh, and then sure it's it just, this is all just making it worse because, like, the longer we go into the season or the longer we go into the off season without, you know, Eichel getting a surgery, the less likely it is he's going to get traded because then his team will be like, okay, well, we're trading all this stuff and he's going to be out for X amount of time. Like, it's going to be a lot harder for a team to be sold on that unless, you know, Buffalo lowers their asking price, but it really doesn't seem like they want to because that's just, they, they've set this price so high for Eichel and they don't want to lower it. It really doesn't seem like, and something's going to have to give here. It, it's, it, it's wild to me that the, the, it seems like the prevailing option is Eichel goes back to Buffalo. Well, I mean, like it just, after everything that has happened, I just can't believe can't that. Yeah, I can't. I can't. But that's that's the option we're staring down right now because we're at a standstill with this. And, you know, the Sabres won't budge on their decision. And it's just incredible to me that we are still at this point here because I really would have thought by now Eichel would be somewhere else with greener pastures. But it it, it really doesn't seem like it's going that way, at least for now. No, it doesn't. And as it gets closer to the offseason, it gets harder and harder to move, uh, move like make a move with that much salary. It's it's just tough. And 
I'm just I'm honestly shocked that the NHLPA isn't publicly involved in this in some way because of the whole health issue. And it could be just that the the CBA is so clear on teams having control of surgery that there's nothing for the NHLPA to go into. But I think being jerked around the way that the Eichel camp claims that they have been necessitates some PA involvement. But uh, I think we'll move on there. We'll get to our pop culture roulette segment. After we tell you about Bet Online, well, you know, hockey's not on right now, but baseball season's in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs, including the MLB, NBA, NHL when it's back on, and all of your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head on over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website, use your mobile device to sign up today, and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. Maybe you can head over there and bet on where Jack Heichel's going to end up next season. Seems like the good money is, unfortunately, still with the Sabres. So, Mary, the Olympics are on right now, still going strong. Some crazy things have happened over the weekend. Uh, I was, sh- the sh- most shocking thing to me was, did you see, uh, Sifan Hassan's recovery in her heat in the 1500 meter? I did last night. Uh, I caught wind of it on Twitter. Uh, I was on the Holy. desk working last night. Sadly, I couldn't put it up because, uh, at the time NBC hadn't put out an official clip and it's one of those yeah, weird they things. Blocked everybody. Yeah. I, it, it, working at a publication right now covering the Olympics is very difficult because NBC and their copyright is everywhere. And I was like, this is a perfect post to write while I'm on the desk. And I saw all these clips from like BBC and other places. And I'm like, I can't write about it. It's not NBC's official feed and NBC's official Twitter account. So somebody else got it up this morning. But yes, I did see it. That was wild. I mean, I know it was like a heat. Like it was only like a like a qualifying thing. But like, geez, that yeah. to, to, fa- to, to put it in to put it in perspective, um, I don't remember how how like what distance it was but it was like it was like 1500 meters 1500 meters yeah um and in the last lap she fell got immediately back up and then ran into first place and finished in first yeah she she someone else fell in front of her and tripped her and she's i believe ethiopian born competing for the netherlands and she she tripped over this person, completely fell, and you can see from the wide angle when they pan back that she's way behind the pack, way behind. And you're like, well, okay, that's it. And it's just like sheer determination and will. I don't know if it was adrenaline from falling down and seeing like, okay, I've got nothing to lose. I'm just going to give it the whole way. But it was like top three most impressive things I've ever seen in sports. And she didn't even need to finish first in that. You only no. like the top like what three or four qualify or something like that. So and she was just like, I'm going for Yeah, so she <laughs> could once have once you get that far, why not win, right? This is true, but <laughs> she could have just done the bare minimum to get back into the to the race. Because I, I believe she's one of the favorites. Uh so it was shocking to see her go down to begin with, but like she could have just coasted and done the bare minimum to get back in. Obviously she would have had to work, you know, run a little bit harder because she was so far back. But to go all the way back into first place it was incredible. Oh, that really was that really was something. It was an awesome moment. Uh, I it mean, was awesome, and you see, like when you watch, I mean, it, it's harder to find because I, this is something the Olympics gets wrong every time. Like they're the the broadcast rights thing. I understand it because those companies pay a lot for it, 
but stopping people from seeing stuff because the company covering the Olympics is terrible at posting things online is just, it's bad. It's bad. So like there, there were videos of it out front on Twitter at first and then they all got taken down. But when you get to see it, uh, all of like a bunch of her competitors came up to her afterwards and like gave her big hugs and like high fives and congratulations. Cause like doesn't matter if you were the person who was going to qualify and didn't because she recovered like you see something like that on a on a human level, you can't not be impressed, right? It's just like that is just it was a mind blowing performance, and you could see in the last like hundred meters, hundred and fifty meters, the way that she was able to like get into the top four and just close. And you're like, okay, she's losing speed, and then she's like, nope, gonna keep going, and she just kept on pumping those legs. And I I couldn't believe how incredible that run was. It's just. It's hard to even put into words. Yeah, that's what the Olympics are all about. I mean, we've talked about, you know, the ups and downs of the Olympics, but moments like that, that the two guys in the high jump sharing gold uh, because they tied. um, I don't remember specifically how high jump works, but I think that they, you know, had the same like height and then missed their like missed both like all three of like the height after that one. Um, so they were in essence tied and I think that somebody, you know, came over and was like, do you guys want to, you know, like run it, like, uh, run one more to try and, you know, determine gold. And then the guy was like, can we both have gold? Uh, and it was the, it was so cool. Moments like that are what make the Olympics. Uh, yeah. and it, it was really the awesome. And the other stuff worth it. Yeah. And the reactions were great and they're both friends apparently. So like, it was just, it was one of those moments that you, that you just cherish. Cause it's like you, it doesn't get any better than that. You live for those types of moments as, as you know, someone covering it, but also as a fan, like it's just a sports fan. It's just incredible stories like that. And speaking of incredible stories, we're going to have someone Biles is going to be competing in the balance beam. Yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was a, a bit of a shocker, but finally, I mean, I mean not finally, I don't want to say finally. I just mean like, I I'm glad we get to see someone Biles and I hope yes. she does well. I hope she does well too. I hope that there's like no pressure on her. I hope she just does what she wants and however the chips lie, they lie. Um, but I'm very excited to watch that. I don't know if I'll watch it live because I'll probably be sleeping, but we'll see. Uh, but yeah, that's really that was really cool to see. Um, I'm surprised you're not, you know, you know, raking me over the coals for Canada winning in soccer against the U.S. Oh, don't worry. That's what I was going to bring up next. I was um, going to say, speaking of great moments, <laughs> I missed Canada it completely. finally slays the dragon in women's soccer. Yeah, I missed it completely. That felt good. Yeah, I missed it too, but I saw it this morning, and I, I was yeah. I, I figured I figured that you would have something to say about it. I mean, it sucks. Um, I'm not a huge soccer person. Uh, I enjoy the U.S. women's national team, I guess, more than any other soccer thing. Probably as most casual soccer people do. Uh, I wasn't I think the... even the most casual soccer people in the United States love Megan Rapinoe, right? Yeah, yeah, she's great. I. Yeah, it it does kind of suck, but from everything I've seen, I don't know if they you know put out the best lineups or the coaching wasn't good. You're probably gonna have somebody else have to ask somebody else about the intricacies of it. But I know that it wasn't a good showing. I think just in general from them, not to take any anything away from the players, I think it was more of a coaching, like coaching decisions and you know who they took on the team, uh, and their possible style of play and whatnot. But yeah, it sucks to see. But congrats to Canada. Happy for all you Canadians finally you finally won something hooray uh i, I can't be <laughs> wow. mad at i can't be mad at canadians so i mean i going back to like going to swimming i love penny alexiak she's so cool uh 
so I, I there were some really cool Canadian athletes I really enjoy watching. Um, so props to Canada. Uh, it's not going to ruin my day because I'm not the biggest soccer fan. So I woke up this morning and was like, neat. I wish the U.S. would have won, but not going to ruin my day. Uh, but that is really cool that you guys have that a big of a win like that. That's definitely one of those moments you guys will definitely remember for a long time. Yeah, I mean, and it always it, it's always tough when something happens in soccer and it's won on a penalty. But at the same time, this is 20 years in the making for Canada. They've pushed the USA a few times to like very close games. And I believe it was the last Olympics the United States won on a very controversial I feel call. like I remember that. Yeah, I feel like yeah. like I said, I don't really do soccer. Uh, so my li- my knowledge of soccer is very limited. But I feel like I remember this. Like I know Canada has pushed USA many times over the years. Uh, so it's nice to finally get one over on your, you know, border rivals and stuff like that. I mean, I I know that, you know, when there's, you know, world juniors and we'll talk about, I assume, you know, we'll still be going when the Olympics happen next year. It's going to be, that's going to be a fun time. I think that is, that is when the stakes will really be high. Yes, absolutely. And I know like for me, I remember watching Christine Sinclair when she was like the best women's player in the world at like 16 years old. Mm. She's 38 now. She just turned 38 in June and she finally gets her win over the United States. Like yeah. for her, I just feel so incredible and in possibly like the greatest moment of her career. And it's not even the medal game, right? Like that comes out. They're playing for gold, I believe on Thursday, but in the, possibly the greatest moment of her career, greatest victory of her career, what does she do right after celebrating is she goes to her teammate on the United States side. She plays in, in like in her professional capacity where I think it's Lindsay Horan and she gives her a big hug and she, there's a bunch of pictures of her comforting other American t- uh, players as well. She's just lovely. Yeah. Like I love Christine Sinclair so much. And I, this is one of the things that I, we talk about the good things about the Olympics. I love that the Olympics allows us to shine a light on these players who don't get the attention outside of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was really cool to see. I saw some of the photos and stuff. That was, that was a really awesome gesture. And like, I, like I said, a lot of this stuff is what the Olympics are all about. The, you know, sportsmanship, camaraderie, win or lose, you know, and, you know, gold tying wins and, you know, losses to border rivals. It's really, that's really what it's all about. And it's, it's been very fun. I know this has been a very up and down Olympics with, you know, stuff like Simone Biles and all the, the, all the people and the controversy, quote unquote, about that. That's kind of like dragged, um, you know, dragged my enthusiasm a little bit just because, you know, people were ragging on her and her decision, but it it's really oh, been great bef- to see. All Before we wrap up, can we crap on Novak Djokovic? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because mm-hmm. he talked some shit about Simone Biles. Sorry, I'm not allowed to swear on the podcast, but I had to say something. Uh, talk, said that she was, like, not mentally tough enough to compete at this level, which, uh, excuse me, four gold medals, shut up. Mm-hmm. But then, immediately, he loses, I think it was a doubles match, and just goes into a blind rage, breaks his racket, throws it, it ends up in the press gallery which is dangerous. And then he's asked about it afterwards in the context of saying that Simone Biles wasn't mentally tough enough to compete at this level. And he was, Oh yeah, you know, sometimes it's hard to control your emotions. Novak Djokovic never speak again. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's the best way to put it. I mean, tell me women are emotional. I guess the last thing. No kidding. This is the last thing I guess we'll say on that, but he really showed, I mean, I think he showed his true colors for some time now, but 
that really, you know, was a was a moment for sure. But we don't need to hear yeah. from him about, you know, Simone Biles or anything else, really. No, we don't. And I hope that he maybe learns a lesson. Probably mm-hmm. not because he doesn't seem to be the kind of guy that learns lessons. But all the best to Simone Biles. I think we all hope that she just crushes it and has fun and doesn't hurt herself because that would be the worst. I guess that's all we have for you today on the Crosscheck NHL show. But before we let you go, we're going to talk to you about Locked On Bets. You betting on the NHL? Well, you can't right now because it's not going on. But when it comes back, your betting doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favored picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow Locked On. Follow the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by BetOnline.ag wherever you get your podcasts. See you on Thursday.